Because the whole world gone crazy! Just please, go nuts. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? I mean, really, explore the space. Yeah, yeah, It's down there somewhere. Let me take another one. Just lick the microphone. <laughs> Do you like it? Yeah. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I'm just really excited. <laughs> So excited they licked the microphone, huh? Oh, man. Man, this is a really exciting episode to get into, it must be, since they're licking the microphone over there. Yeah, well, it looked like a snow cone, and I'm just so (laughs) excited about the cold elements of this podcast, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Nice frozen episode coming up for you. It's very chilly. It's very chilly. So get ready, boys and girls. Ladies and gentlemen. Today, uh, we're going to talk about Ernest Shackleton. And the Trans-Antarctic Expedition yes, sir. in 1914, among some other things. I am your host, Andy Bosch. And I'm your co-host, or uh, we haven't decided who's the host and who's the co-host, but we'll figure it out. This is Tyler Cole. This is Tyler Cole. <laughs> <laughs> We're good at this. Anyway, welcome back. This yeah. is uh, episode two, the next episode. Of, the next uh, episode. Who knows what kind of, where they'll come out chronologically. But Yeah, it's true. This is another episode. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Thanks for supporting us. Um, we're happy to be here, but we're even happier to have you with us. You want to put a marker here? I want to get like another caffeinated beverage right. before I jump into it. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know what I thought of the other day? What's that? That I hadn't really realized. Maybe, you know, this happens to me all the time. Like something that I'm sure has occurred to everybody else. <laughs> I suddenly realized yeah. and I'm like, whoa. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. here's the thing. Did you ever read Calvin and Hobbes? A little bit, not a whole lot though. In Calvin and Hobbes, one of the like recurring jokes, which is pretty funny, is like his dad'll make him rake the leaves or go outside and shovel snow or whatever. Yeah. And he's always like it builds character, right? So I read Calvin and Hobbes a lot when I was a kid, and so I was very uh used to that term, like it builds character. Yeah. But not until like literally last week that I sort of put it together <laughs> that like character building, like if you're writing a story. Yeah. Is the same thing as building your own character by doing hard stuff that you don't like. That makes sense, yeah. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. If you're building a character, you're putting them in certain situations to see how they act and react <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. to define their character. Yeah. What kind of person are they? <laughs> yeah. And if you're a kid and your dad makes you go split wood or shovel snow, yeah. he's building your character <laughs> he's de- <laughs> defining the type of person you are so character building activities are so important he's a he's a helping define you and your mythology and yeah, all that shit we were talking go. about last week with Jung. yeah and i just realized that <laughs> there you go i went i just figured that out recently i was uh, to investigate the availability of beautiful animals instagram name oh yeah what do we got uh, it's there but uh, now i'm getting a bunch of like suggested posts and just a bunch of little baby otters oh. <laughs> just a bunch of little animals Aww. oh They're did you little. make it no i oh. haven't yet but oh, I was, okay just because i searched it you searched it you're getting now, awesome posts now now look how uh, cute those little fuckers, little fuckers are fuckers. dude look at his oh my god just because i searched beautiful animals now i'm getting all these awesome posts instead of a bunch throwing of, off the algorithm yeah exactly it's like because well, i like never like i almost never like anything on instagram yeah and so it like whenever i even just click a picture it's like oh this is what you want to see so it'll show me nothing but that yeah like i'll click on one hot blonde girl and all of a sudden i got all these hot blonde girls everywhere i'm not even into blonde yeah and it's just like basically anytime i go to the explore function on instagram it shows like all the 
the, the last thing that I searched yeah. a million times. Like, oh, here's a hot girl playing drums. And then, like, yeah, I did oh, that same thing. And it made that same mistake yeah. by liking like one post uh-huh. of like a hot girl working out. Mm hmm. And now every time I go to a sport, it's like all female bodybuilders. <laughs> yeah. And I hate that. <laughs> I don't want to see that. It's too much. Mm. I don't, I'm not into it. Like good for you, but I'm just not into bodybuilders in general, yeah. men or women. Yeah. But you know what I just realized? That dovetails so perfectly into character building because now, <laughs> I'm serious. Now our, our projection of our character is our online self. So like building your algorithm yeah. Is the same shit. Well, yeah, exactly. Like That's when character building. They say like when what the algorithm is doing is like it's basically building a replica a of you. They yeah. call it an avatar. It's like what will this like? Yeah. And then it shows you that. Yeah. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, we should actually maybe a good research topic would be like how do those fucking algorithms work? And- we should figure that out. And I just realized the whole like Jungian archetype exploration and like figuring out your own myth. There we go. You can apply that so much to like how an algorithm figures out who you are and like what yeah. that algorithm, what that avatar's myth yeah. is going to be. Because the other thing is like these algorithms aren't just predicting what you like. They're trying to figure out what you're going to like. Yeah. And what you're going to turn into. Yeah. So they're already doing that. They're trying to figure out who you are and where you are in your timeline, your storyline. Like? Yeah. Exactly. And that's why like you'll slowly get led down these rabbit holes. Yeah. Because they're like, okay, this leads to this, leads to this. And yeah. this algorithm, this shit, we got to do some research on this because I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's, yeah. it's predicting <laughs> who you are and what you're going to become. Yeah. Which, which makes it all the more important for you to know in reality <laughs> who you, you actually are and yeah. who you want to become so you don't let the fucking machine decide, dude. Yeah, exactly. Well, also, yeah, like, because, I mean, that's kind of part of the reason why, like I said, like, I don't, I don't. I almost never like any anybody's stuff on Instagram, right? Because I don't want to feed that algorithm. Like it's. I mean, it's just like a real subtle act of defiance. <laughs> but, I like it. I but know I like it. I don't know. It's also just. I guess who I am as a person. Like I don't want to. I don't know. Because like there are people that like will scroll through Instagram and literally like everything they pass. Yeah. Which is like kind of fucking weird. I don't know. I don't. I, well, I was doing that with TikTok, like not liking anything mm-hmm. because I didn't want to like feed the machine. Yeah. But then, of course, I was seeing all this shit that I didn't care about, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I started yeah. feeding my input into it, and now, of course, it's giving me interesting stuff. But I like the idea of the way you did with TikTok, purposefully, <laughs> like, creating a false self uh, for, false, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for that machine to, like, <laughs> think you are. And I wonder, check this out, dude. I bet in the future, people are going to get diagnosed with, like, split personality disorder, disassociative disassociative identity disorder because their online self doesn't like map well to their <laughs> real self. This is what I'm talking about. When we yeah. have robot kids uh-huh. and they're all plugged in all the time, yeah. that's going to be seen as insanity <laughs> Yeah, to like not be honest oh, about yeah. your online likes sense. and shit. Dude, we're going down a dark, <laughs> down a dark road. Oh, yeah. It's going to get wild. What I'm going to talk about today is a person with extraordinary character. <laughs> he did not spend any time on TikTok. Not a fucking second on TikTok. <laughs> I know this for a fact. I could verify it. It might sound crazy to you kids listening right now, but... How did he... Never get, once on Facebook. Not even when he was on the John? Not even on MySpace. Not even on TikTok. Oh. Not even on Snapchat. Before all that. <laughs> Whoa. So, this like, person, 1990? Yeah. <laughs> 91. <laughs> no, but the other thing... Yeah, not only does this guy have a lot of character, but the world was very different back then, obviously. Obviously. But one thing that was going on that I think is a little bit difficult for us to understand in our current timeline, but 
might actually be easier for people 10 or 20 years younger than us to understand is that this is during the period of this is still in the period of exploration what we're going to be talking about today oh yeah, oh, yeah so like people explore, had exploration meaning exploring, exploring the, world. the planet yeah, yeah. Okay. so at this point in time this is the early 1900s uh no one had been to the north pole or south pole yet like no one had been there yeah because it's hard to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it's snowy. <laughs> Is it cold? It's very fucking cold. cold. It's very fucking cold. <laughs> many, many degrees below zero at the at the Arctic and Antarctic poles. So in the early 1900s, this is like the quest for the poles, and it was and it was part of national prestige, right? Like which whatever country could be the first, you know, country to send someone to the North Pole and send someone to the South Pole. You know, governments were funding these expeditions for the prestige. So kind of like the space race. Just like the space First race. First country to put their flag on the moon. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm saying, whereas like we it, we don't really have that right now, but once we get a little bit closer to Mars, maybe in 20, 10, 20 years or something like that, yeah. then we're going to feel that same thing where Coca-Cola and Pepsi <laughs> and Disney are all trying to send their people to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> And everyone is on the side of their favorite brand and they're yeah. trying to get their brand there. And they're yeah. buying a lot of Coca-Cola mm. and they're buying a lot of Nikes trying to see. The know. first country to get a Pepsi machine on the moon <laughs> or on Mars. Yeah. This is a, that's a bleak outlook. <laughs> <laughs> but real. Anyway. <clears throat> one small TikTok for man. <laughs> yeah. And one giant TikTok for TikTokology. Yeah. <laughs> TikTokology. TikTok kind. It'll be a research subject later. <laughs> anyway, okay, early 1900s, right? So this is this is kind of the setting that this guy, Ernest Shackleton, comes up in. He's a famous, at the time of the story I'm about to tell you, he's already famous. He's already a famous explorer. Yeah. He's been on three expeditions to Antarctica, although he's never made it personally to the South Pole. What are the, what other expeditions, like where other places has he explored? Is he, what's he famous for? Mostly the South, mostly okay. Antarctica. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's his, uh, yeah, his uh, yeah, he's gone on a couple of expeditions to Antarctica, like, you know, to different parts of Antarctica people have never been to, but he, at this point, hasn't made it to the South Pole. But he's, he's in between expeditions. He had gone down there in 1909 and 1910, and then he's planning his next expedition when... A Norwegian guy named Roald Amundsen makes it to the South Pole. That fucking I bastard. know. Like and and five weeks before uh, Shackleton's British counterpart, who was also on an expedition to the South Pole, he was on Antarctica mm. <laughs> on his way to the South Pole, and the Norwegian guy made it there first. Oh, it was a literal race. Yeah. They were literally racing to the South Pole. Nice. Obviously, England in this period of time is still like a huge world colonial power, and it's a little embarrassing to not <laughs> be the country that made it to the South Pole first. Yeah. So Ernest Shackleton, who's a pretty smart guy, leverages that sort of embarrassment to get more money for what he deems is the next big thing to do, which is a trans-Antarctic uh, expedition, right? right? Not so quite his, as big, but... Yeah, well, he's like, okay, well, I still want to be the first guy to cross Antarctica from one side yeah. to the other. So what were they doing before? They would just go on one side, they go to the South Pole and go back to where they came from? Yeah, because if you think about it, I mean, here's how it would work, right? You don't have, like... A fucking snowmobile you yeah. don't have anything like that so you're you're basically taking dogs and sleds yeah. to get out there if you're doing that you're kind of have to carry all your food and it's Antarctica is like over a thousand miles across yeah right so you're going five six hundred miles in five six hundred miles back in the snow with sled dogs you're gonna be dropping food caches the whole way uh-huh. so on the way back oh you have food. Yeah. Because you, you, if you don't do that, then you're carrying it all with you and carrying it all the way back. Yes. Yeah. a waste. Yeah, right? that makes sense. So typically they would They have go to go in. pretty much exactly the same path back, which makes sense because they're going yeah. back to the same boat. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. So his whole thing was, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to the first person to cross it from one side to the other. So he, his idea was to take two ships, land one on one side of Antarctica, land one on the other, head into the South Pole, have another group heading in to the South Pole to meet them, and then basically go back uh-huh. and have dropped food caches the whole way. Nice. So they're going to go through, and then food caches all the way. Yeah. So this was, he was able to get a lot of uh, investors and over a few years. Actually, it took him kind of a long time <laughs> because <laughs> the Amundsen uh, expedition that made it to the South Pole was in 1911. That was he the hit, first. Yeah, first. The yeah, the winner to the South Pole. He had, was already planning his next trip down there. So, and he didn't leave until 1914. So it took years of planning and uh, <laughs> promising people money and promising people like percentage rights to his books and stuff he would write once he completed this thing. Yeah. And, you know, plan planning and putting things together and trying to get ships built and all this stuff. Right. So he's been working on this for a long time, but he's, he's a pretty smart guy. He's a savvy guy. And he's, <laughs> he's also the type of guy who like can't, uh, can't commit to just working a day job. Like he's just not interested in it. <laughs> like, so where do you work? Like Seven Eleven or? <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck. <laughs> so he like, uh, it, actually, I was reading this about him, and it was, <laughs> I couldn't help but like identify with him a lot because they were like, for whatever reason, working a regular job just wasn't good enough for him. He just, <laughs> he had to make a lot of money and get out of day to day work. Like that was his whole plan. He just didn't want to be suckered in by money. Yeah. He also married a wealthy. Or the daughter of a wealthy, uh, I think, lawyer or something. He also wanted to, like, give her the life she was used to. It was kind of a thing back yeah. then. So he wanted to be a man of means and have a lot of money. So he was motivated by money, but he was more motivated by, I think, prestige and just, like, excitement. Like, he just wanted to do something big and important. Right? Yeah. This is one, I think this is a great example of how this guy ends up being a really clever guy, a really great leader, and a really good... Um, manager of men right yeah and i think this is a good example of uh, his understanding of what motivates people is this ad that he put up for sailors for to hire yeah to hire sailors for his crew this is how it goes men wanted for hazardous journey small wages uh utter or bitter cold (laughs) long months of complete darkness constant danger safe return doubtful where do I sign up? Honor and recognition in event of success. Fuck yes. Yeah. And he got deluged with applications. Yeah. Yeah. He had so many applications, right? He was just putting together a 27-man crew. Yeah. It was a small crew. for Well, for the, the Endurance. He had two ships, but the ship he was going to be on is called the Endurance. The other one, I think, was called the Aurora. Um, And <laughs> anyway, so he had a crew of about 50 guys. Yeah. And he got like hundreds and hundreds of applications. Nice. And so where's... He's like in England still. Yeah, or? he's in England right now. So yeah. he's British. He's in England, and uh, and he's getting ready to set out. It also, he was like kind of he's the kind of guy that like would make a decision on the spot. So like his interviews for guys were like five minutes long. Yeah, and basically if he liked you, he's like, all right, you're in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his navigator, he interviewed him. He didn't even have that great of a navigation record. Yeah, but he just like just like the cut of his jib. Perfect. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> yeah. And the guy had told Shackleton that he was a meteorologist, and then he hired him, and then he was like, I'm not actually a meteorologist. And he's like, (laughs) okay, well, then go to meteorology school right now. (laughs) Fuck yeah. And then he spent the next, like, year learning how to do meteorology. (laughs) (laughs) So when when they're planning the trip, do they, do you want to make the trip in summer or fall? Or in uh, winter? They want to go in Antarctic summer. Yeah. 
which is winter for us in the northern hemisphere. Yeah, so they because it's warmer. So they're planning on leaving in October uh, or in um, September, October. Yeah. um, So that they can get down there, take about a month and a half to get down there, get down there in like December, November, December, and then make their way across Antarctica over January and February. Yeah. And hopefully be done with their expedition by March, April before um, the Antarctic winter starts to set in. And that's exactly how it works out. Of course. Yes. <laughs> that's how cold stories work. That's exactly how it goes. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, he gets his crew together. October of 1914. Something pretty big happens in 1914. You may have some idea of that. It's World War One. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've heard <laughs> yeah. <of> it. <laughs> <laughs> so right before they leave, he sends a letter to uh, the Admiralty and says like, hey, uh, he talks with his crew of his two ships and he's like, look, we got to contribute <laughs> to the war effort, right? Yeah. If they want us to. So he sends a letter to the Admiralty um, and he gets a letter back from Winston Churchill, oh. who is head of the Admiralty at this time. He's not yet um, prime minister. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll yeah. talk about World War One later in a different episode. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he just says, proceed, go for it. Like, go to your expedition. It's more important <clears throat> to England that, you know, you go do this thing and bring yeah. glory to the, the kingdom. Because England wasn't even really involved in World War One, were they? Yeah. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> anyway, so he he offered to take you know his two crews and and throw them into the war effort and they said, "No, nah, go about your business." Yeah. So they leave in uh in 1914, they head down to Brazil and then they head from Brazil to um the kind of their last stop before really hitting Antarctica, which is uh called South Georgia Island. And they get there on November 5th. And this is like the very edge of human civilization before you kind of get to the Antarctic Circle. Um, Where is that? That's in. It's like, I mean, it's just south of. It's not right like at Tierra del Fuego, right? Which is the southern point of Argentina. It's east. Okay, so they're starting up there. South America. Yeah, they go to Brazil. And then they go from Brazil east and south to the South Georgia Islands which is just outside the Antarctic Circle, and it's a whaling colony. Yeah. Whaling was still really big back then, right? Early 1900s. Yeah, so yeah. Um, all these little islands that are out in the middle of fucking nowhere were these outposts for whalers. Okay. Because you're out... Uh, whales, uh, many of them travel in the Arctic and Antarctic circles. Pods. In pods, yes. They were the original podcasters. Yes, they were. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this. Were the whales the original podcasters, or were the people throwing harpoons at the whales <laughs> the oh, original podcasters? Casting harpoons that's at pods. Oh. Yeah. That's pod- where the word podcast comes from. That's the that's the etymology. I have actually wondered, like, or thought it was interesting that podcast, the word, because it's like pod comes from iPods. Yeah. I don't which, understand that either. And like, but then iPods were dead long before podcasts got big, but they still, they stuck to the name. It is weird. Yeah. And it has something, I think, to do with spell casting. Oh. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> no, let's get into it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll I'm get... <laughs> shit, is... now I'm gonna... <laughs> I got a whole theory. <laughs> a hard, hard uh, subject shift right here. I want to hear more about that. No, come back for episode 666. Oh. Uh, <laughs> in about, which will happen in about two weeks. Yeah, we're going to be there quick. Anyway, back to Ernest Shackleton. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. And his ship, The Endurance. Yeah. So they go to this whaling colony and they party. They party. Obviously. Hell yeah. It's November 5th. They show up on the whaling colony at South Georgia Island, and, and the the guys there, the whalers, are like, look, the ice situation 
in the Antarctic Circle is the worst worst conditions we've ever seen yeah. <laughs> right now. Nice. And they're like, oh, <laughs> oh man. So Ernold Shackleton decides to wait. Uh, and so they get there November 5th and they stay there at South Georgia Island until December 5th, at which point he says, like, fuck it. It's like a whole month. They stay there for a month. Fuck. And party with the whalers. <laughs> Where do I sign up? Dude. <laughs> I don't, I imagine <laughs> partying with a bunch of like a whaling crew. Like that must've been the craziest shit. You're on an, a rock, a basically a desolate rock. Yeah. Right on the edge of the Antarctic Circle, in the middle of the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, and there's just you, a bunch of guy, a bunch of sailors. I bet. Yeah, dude, whalers. Raging. Before we had like heavy machinery, I bet the old school whalers were fucking awesome. They were <laughs> we should... probably the toughest sons of bitches. Can you imagine? Yeah, like you throw we... a harpoon into a whale, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that's and all you got to this... pull it in <laughs> to your boat. Yeah. We we should we could do a whole episode on him. I'm sure. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Let me tell you something about Shackleton's ship. Because since we're talking about whales, right? So they had seventy dogs. Well, sixty nine yeah. dogs, right? Yeah. The dogs were all <laughs> they're repeatedly described as just like the worst tempered dogs in the world. <laughs> Perfect. They're all husky mixes. <laughs> I've like, met one. Uh, yeah, I have one. <laughs> and uh, they're all all their kennels are on board the ship, yeah. right? And. <laughs> What they have for dog food is just like whale meat, right? Yeah. That they got from the whalers. But where they're keeping the whale meat, I don't know why. It's all <laughs> hanging from the rigging of the ship. Yeah. So there's just like dripping blood all the time. <laughs> Onto the dogs? <laughs> Onto the dog. The dogs are just crazy all the time because oh, nice. they want to get to this whale meat yeah. that's like literally dripping blood on them. And uh, apparently it sounds kind of spooky. Yeah. I was thinking of this. Ship. I was thinking about it earlier. Like, because they had all those dogs on a trip, but like that was before they really spayed or neutered dogs so like were the dogs just constantly trying to fuck each other i think they're mostly male dogs although well i mean actually you'll see later on a couple litters of puppies are born so yeah yes oh how adorable your answer is yes they were (laughs) fucking each other just like all the men i mean probably yeah there's a little bit about that later on it just kind of i mean just spoiler alert There's not a lot about them fucking each other. Yeah, yeah. I think mostly because they weren't because... It was too cold. It was too cold. <laughs> I mean, literally. <laughs> it's like, you, you're not really in the mood if you're like on the edge of survival. Yeah. You know, believe it or not, no, an yeah. Antarctic voyage yeah. is harrowing and mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're not really in the mood to bone. Mm. All right. Um, Where were we? Uh, The... Oh, they're headed... Uh, they're partying with the whalers. Partying with the whalers. <laughs> okay, so before we continue, I want to uh, describe, try to describe a little bit about Antarctic geography. Yeah, so that's something I've always been interested in, because like, you can't say like east or west Antarctica. There's no like, there's only yeah. the north coast of Antarctica, and you're like... There's only north coast of Antarctica. Yeah, and like... There's no south coast like, of Antarctica. You could say like, oh, the west coast of Cal- or of the uh, United States, yeah. or, like, or even southwest United States, but there's no... There's only South Antarctica, and then there's north of that. Well, yeah, it's even hard to look at on a map because, yeah, there's just it's hard without that frame of reference. Yeah, where they're at right now, the South Georgia Islands, is basically like, well, okay, so there's this big bay in Antarctica called the Weddell Sea. You probably heard of it that people talk about like the Weddell Ice Shelf and stuff. Yeah. It's like the Weddell Sea on this side, and then there's like the Ross Sea on the other side. Antarctica. So south of South America, there's this part called the Weddell Sea. And it's this big bay. 
And there's a big peninsula on the left-hand Kinda side. Like, yeah. Hmm. On the western side of this bay called the Palmer. Yeah, Palmer Peninsula. <laughs> and then it's got like some volcanic island chains, volcanic islands that go north of it. And then even more north and east is the South Georgia Islands. But anyway, so there's the Weddell Sea. Basically, these different land masses kind of hem in this area that's known as the Weddell Sea and allow for this uh, counter or this clockwise rotation in that area. Are you looking at a map right now? Yeah. Yeah, so basically... Hopefully the reader is too. Yeah, I know, right? So look at <laughs> a map. <laughs> You're looking at Antarctica. <laughs> anyway, so they're, what they're, his plan, his ship is going to go uh, into the Weddell Sea follow the rotation of the ice pack down the ice pack is usually just like spinning around it's spinning around in the weddell sea yeah um, basically to, doing a clockwise rotation because due to currents due and to whatnot. currents and wind basically wind travels around the bottom part of the planet <laughs> yeah. from west to east okay like around tierra del fuego and toward cape horn and things like that so when it hits the weddell sea right as it goes over that peninsula then it comes down and, and makes a Sort of a, a little eddy. Yeah, a little eddy, yeah. a little clockwise eddy. So their plan, they come down from the South Georgia Islands to the east side of the Weddell Sea, mm-hmm. and then they're going to follow that eddy down to the so- southernmost part of that uh, bay, the Weddell Bay, basically, mm-hmm. to make landfall as close as they can to the South Pole and yeah. then and make their way in. So I'm, I'm looking at the map right now. Yeah. South Georgia Islands. Uh, it's, uh, it refers to it as South Georgia and the South Sandwich Islands. Oh yeah. I don't know if yeah. I did know about that. <laughs> Should have told you how <laughs> yeah, exciting you that know. is. I would have been. I know twice as invested. As, I would have been twice as invested in this story. In the whalers and the Sandwich Islands. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where they're headed. That's the plan, right? So the other ships go. The other ships already taken off for the other side of Antarctica. They went a totally different oh, way, yeah. obviously, because it's on the other side of the world. <laughs> so they're coming from. Uh, 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 fucking what's it called? South Africa. I think so. Yeah, they go around down that way. Anyway, so the uh, these guys are going, and it's, you know, the whalers were saying the ice is in the worst condition they've seen in a long time. Yeah. So they waited until later in the Antarctic summer to go. When they reach um, the edge of Antarctica, that that part of Antarctica is just thousand foot sheer cliffs, uh-huh. <laughs> like outside of, of the Weddell Sea. No, of the land. Okay. Is a thousand foot sheer cliff. Yeah. So they kind of get to the coast of Antarctica and then start working their way down into the bay. Yeah. Right, and at first the ice pack looks pretty good. There, it's like not that bad, and they're making their way in. Like basically, so let me describe the ice pack to you a little bit because basically what it is, there are icebergs, right, which are tall, and they go really deep, mm-hmm. right, and then there's what's called an ice flow. An ice flow is like a shallow floating ice island, right? Floating on water. Floating on water. Yeah. Yeah. So you have icebergs and you have flows. And this whole bay is basically just all ice. Yeah. But it's broken up into these little individual islands. Sometimes there's water in between them, sometimes not. You know, as they move around, (laughs) you know, they come together and break apart and all that shit, right? So they're basically trying to navigate their way into this bay, into the ice, you know, but obviously they can't, like, break through. They're not going to be able to, this is a, oh, I didn't describe the ship to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they're Other on. Other than the blood dripping all over the dogs. Yeah, right. This is a sailing ship, but it does have a steam-powered engine. Oh. But it's all wood. This is, they, <laughs> he had, a, when the ship was built, it was built in Norway. The guys that were building it knew, once this ship was commissioned, that it was probably going to be the last wooden ship oh. built, that they were going to build. So they built this ship, uh, like, 
they, they built what was probably the strongest wooden ship nice. ever built. Was it built just for this expedition, or did they buy it used? They bought... They, it was originally built to uh, go on polar bear hunts. Oh, nice. As a polar bear hunting vessel. <laughs> yeah. So, but then it was recommissioned for this South Pole, they're going to be a penguin hunting vessel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And seals. Lots of seals. seal clubbing coming up. Oh. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's made of this wood called Greenheart, which is apparently denser than iron. <clears throat> huh. Heavier than iron. Damn. And it was a double-hulled ship, right? And yeah. each hole was like two foot thick. Nice. They individually selected each plank, and the whole bow and the whole keel were made out of individual like oak trees <laughs> that they selected <laughs> nice. specifically to match the curve of the ship. They they put a lot of time and energy in the ship. Yeah. They got a whole dream team of master boat rights and carpenters and builders to work together on it. It was a whole big thing. <laughs> yeah. They originally called it the uh Boreal and then he uh, Shackleton renamed it the Endurance. Basically it was this a pretty amazing feat of technology at the time. All wood sailing ship, but with a coal-fired steam engine. Yeah. And iron decking on the inside. Oh. So it's this cool kind of period of time where it's between a sailing ship and like a coal-fired iron ship. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. They It had uh, three masts. They had a four mast that was square rigged and then two masts further back that were, um, you know, rigged with triangle sails yeah so it could sail and it had steam-powered engine so it was a pretty uh formidable beast anyway formidable but it wasn't like an ice-breaking ship yeah. <laughs> that's what i was saying uh so when they're as they're navigating into the ice flows in the weddell sea they're having to pick their way through where there are gaps or where they're you know pushing through smaller bits of ice they're making their way along the coast and they're picking their way through and in around in early January, right? So this is January uh, 1915, right? The the conditions change a little bit. It warms up, yeah. and they describe it as sailing through ice pudding. <laughs> so like, like slush. It's all slushy. But then, <laughs> so they're going through this icy slush, and then the weather takes a turn, and it freezes, <laughs> and oh. all of a sudden they're frozen in place. Nice. So January 8th, 1915. They get frozen in place. There's basically there's this huge gale, a huge like a storm, yeah. right, like a hurricane, and they take refuge. They're in the ice pudding. They take refuge on the lee side of a big iceberg. Mm-hmm. But then they're they're hanging out there from January eighth for about six days, and when the weather clears and they're able to kind of look at what their their surroundings, they're stuck. Yeah, they're frozen so they're just, solid. They're just part of the iceberg now. They're part of the iceberg now. Oh. They're frozen in the ice pack. So they're. They're waiting and they're watching. Now, the whole ice pack is rotating in that clockwise manner. So, yeah. they're drifting with the ice pack toward their destination. Yeah. So, it's not the worst, <laughs> but <laughs> they don't want to be stuck. <laughs> they want to be able to get out and go do their thing. But they're uh, every day they get up, they go look at the ice, and, <laughs> and they say, yep. And we're still stuck. <laughs> yeah. So, um, at this point in time, this is in, in, in January of 1915, uh, for the duration of the whole month. They're still on regular watch duty, so like many shifts a day, so mm-hmm. that there's a active watch and people actively manning the sails and manning the engine 24 hours a day. That's yeah. how ships work, yeah. right? Because they're constantly moving. So people sleep on shifts, and someone is active doing the work all the time. But after basically two months, on uh, they're waiting and they're waiting and nothing is changing, yeah. right? On February 24th, so this is late in the season, right? So they've been sitting there for like... 
They've been sitting there <laughs> like since Jan- early January, so like the beginning of January. Yeah. They've been sitting there basically two months stuck in the ice. After hanging out with the whalers for a month. After partying so with the whalers. Behind schedule. They're way behind schedule, oh. right? So they were supposed to start, like make landfall, like in December. Nice. Because remember, they want to get through it during Antarctic summer. Yeah. Which is the opposite of Northern Hemisphere summer, right? So December, January, February. That's yeah. summertime. March, April, now you're in fall, right? Yeah. So it's the end of February. It's starting to get colder again. And remember also, there's not that much daylight. <laughs> yeah. As they get, I mean, there's 20, there's sun 24 hours a day during this period. Yeah, but it's like- The sun never sets. But it's not, it doesn't get high in the sky. It's like dusk. It's, no, 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 no. So this period of time in Antarctic summer- it's, there's no nighttime at all. Yeah. The sun sets for, like, it gets down to sunset, and then it comes back up. I experienced this when I was in Iceland that one yeah. time. It, at midnight, the sun set, and then it was sunset for two hours, and then it was sunrise <laughs> two <laughs> nice. hours later. So this is what they're experiencing for this whole Antarctic summer. Yeah. So it's daylight, 24 hours a day. But as they're getting into February and March, that's starting to shift the other direction, right? Yeah. Now, the other thing, so on February 24th, Ernest Shackleton, captain of the ship, captain of the expedition, makes the decision to winter on board the Endurance and not disembark until the next summer. So they're going to hang out there for a year? <laughs> they're going to hang out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because uh, here's the thing. At this point in time, they're only 60 miles offshore, and they have a lot of food. There's seals all over the ice. There's penguins all over the ice. They're stocked up on food. They've been hunting seals and clubbing them. Yeah. Also, the, the seals aren't afraid of people. There's no people down there. Yeah. So, they so just, you can just walk up to them and club them. Nice. You got a seal, right? All right. There's plenty of food. They have all their stores still. They've got fresh food. They're not worried about it, right? So he could leave the ship and go do his thing, but he's worried about a ship. He's worried about his crew. Yeah. So he decides to, that he's going to stay on board and he's going to get the ship out of this mess, right? Because they, he knows at this point, that if something goes weird with the ice pack and pressure starts to build, it's going to crack up the ship. Yeah. Like that, it's it's a wooden vessel. It's not built for ice breaking. Yeah. And he's, you're in the, mil, the middle of a million square miles of ice. The weight of which, <laughs> I mean, you can only imagine like how much weight could be moving in each direction. So like if for whatever reason currents start pushing ice against each other toward yeah. the ship, you know. Yeah, which also, I mean, maybe they don't have to work. Maybe this is something they would worry about more early in the summer, but like as icebergs, because like most of them are below the surface, what they do is they'll, once they reach some sort of, or they kind of lose equilibrium, the whole thing will just flip over. Yeah. And if their ship is stuck Around to the that, side of it and yeah. they just get sucked <laughs> underwater, I don't know if that's the kind of iceberg yeah, they were so you stuck don't want to. That. Well, they're not really stuck to the iceberg. Yeah. They took shelter around the side of this iceberg and they're stuck in in some ice. So more of a sheet. Right now. Yeah. yeah, like a sheet ice. Yeah. So they make the decision to winter aboard the ship. Ernest Shackleton says, well, fuck it. I guess I'm not going across it. We live here now. Antarctica. He's like, I'm just going to try and get us out of this mess, basically. Like, we fucked up. Now I'm just going to try and get us out of here. Mm -hmm. Also, there's no radio. So they can't tell anybody what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. They're just kind of fucked. So the other guys on the other side of the continent are just sitting there waiting for him. Like, yeah, maybe they'll show up. Maybe they'll get here. Maybe they won't. Yeah. Yeah. They can't tell anybody. He makes the decision. I'm going to stay on the ship and I'm going to ride this out for the winter. Right. So... (laughs) At that point, they go off of regular, um, they stop doing like regular duty on the ship. They just go to like two watches. So yeah. anyway, they, they basically are like, okay, now we're just hanging out. They build a bunch of igloos for the dogs <laughs> on the ice floes. They are yeah. able to get off the ship. Yeah. 
and walk around on the ice and yeah. hunt for seals and sled and stuff like that. And that actually, I feel like, is a big part of uh, Shackleton's kind of genius is because although he takes them off the regular watch duty, he makes sure to give them jobs to do. Because, like, he's making the decision, like, okay, I'm going to sit here with these 27 guys for the next nine months. <laughs> yeah. Hoping we can get out of this mess when the ice breaks up a bit more next spring. Yeah. How am I going to keep them sane? <laughs> right? So he, like, has them go out, build a bunch of dog loos. And then dog loos. Yeah. For the dogs to live in. They move. They rearrange the whole ship. Like, they take all the stores out of the hold. And they put them in, like, a different part of the ship. And they turn this area of the ship into, like, a little hotel for everybody. <laughs> they call it the Ritz. Nice. They have parties down there. Oh, yeah. They have dice games. Yeah, they um. They have like a bunch of booze with them. They have some it. booze. Yeah. Uh, they they drink on Saturday night only. Perfect. All right. Yeah, they get a ration of like grog. Yeah. On Saturday grog. only, but um, he keeps a tight ship. He makes everybody do um sled drills like huh. on a daily basis. So they're training all the dogs for these sled runs. That oh yeah, good call. They're not gonna do. Yeah. But <laughs> but they're training them. So he breaks the he breaks the twenty seven guys up into different teams. Has each each team have a bunch of dogs that are their team, sets them up and doing sled drills. They do races, so he he builds this sort of competition and camaraderie yeah. into the daily routine for everybody. And like Just a year long team building exercise, <laughs> it's a long. So once they actually is. get into the what they actually went there for, yeah, they'll they be really extended. They'll be set. Yeah. So and meanwhile, their fucking families are back in, at home, like. I wonder if this guy's coming back. Can you? I mean, that's just such a different world, right? Like, yeah. You know what's interesting though, kind of about that, when we get into space exploration, because the distances are going to be so great, oh, yeah. we're kind of going to go back to that, because we're not going to be able to communicate instantaneously anymore. Yeah. So you'll be like talking to somebody on Mars. It'll be a nine-month delay. <laughs> yeah. Between transmissions. So well, no, not between transmissions, but it'd be like a couple minutes. Yeah. Is it only a couple of minutes? Light speed, yeah. Maybe yeah, well, when we get to Alpha yeah. Centauri. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When it's like 23 years between yeah. between text messages. <laughs> anyway, so they're they're stuck in the ice mid-May. Now it's mid-May. That's when we kind of make the switch to dark season. Uh-huh. And pretty soon, May, June. Obviously, June is when the solstice is. So by May, it's pretty much dark 24 hours a day. Yeah. So... They keep their regular routine. They have a lot of story time. They do some plays and stuff. They play dice. On June 21st, they have a, a, a big party for the solstice. Yeah. They have a whole dice competition where they're betting against each other for like going to a show in England when they get back. <laughs> and the dude's like, okay, this one, I'm going to bet paying for the taxis. <laughs> like, okay, well, I'm going to bet you the drinks when how we can, get there. How can you keep track of all that? Goddamn. They wrote it down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, they had paper. <laughs> I know. So everything's kind of chill this whole time. They're having a pretty good time. Nice. And the weather's been pretty okay. I mean, it's, you know, uh, like six, seven degrees. Yeah. So it's cold. Yeah. But <laughs> it's very cold. <laughs> yeah. But things start to kind of take a turn. Uh, Starting in July. A turn? You never told me there was going to be a turn. Uh, there's a turn. Wait a second. So as we- No get, good stories have a turn. So now that it's it, it's June and July, this is Antarctic winter. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So July 1st, there's the first of a series of significant gales. They call them gales. They're basically hurricanes. Yeah. The winds are up to 100, 120 miles per Goddamn. hour. Yeah. No fucking joke, right? <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, before the gales arrive- the ice starts to react to the so, pressure. So the guy that, quote unquote, meteorologist, he's able to tell there's one coming? 
Well, they can all tell there's one coming because the <laughs> ice starts to move uh, oh. days before the winds actually get there. Yeah. Because it's all there. It's crazy how these storms are so big. Like they push the water out ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Like they created when they say a tropical depression, it's like actually a depression. Yeah. Damn. Low low pressure. System. Low pressure. And it's like like us. Anyway, a storm surge like the water's higher all around this hurricane. Right. Yeah. So as this these hurricanes are going around Antarctica, the ice miles ahead of them is getting pushed. Yeah. Right. So all of a sudden, July 1st, pressure begins. Right. So they can hear the ice moving. The ice starts to move and it starts to make a lot of crazy ass sounds. Oh, right. I bet. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I can only imagine they describe they describe this whole cacophony of different sounds like from screaming children <laughs> to like to trains to like engines running at high speed to just like wailing and groaning to like thunder cracks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because then the ice flows, these huge ice sheets, miles and miles and miles across, yeah. will crack down the middle from one side to the other yeah. all at once. It makes the loudest fucking crack like you've ever heard. Yeah. I'd like to see how they describe it in the book because like I was, <laughs> there was an owl outside my house the other day. Yeah. And I like was curious about it. So I was reading about owl calls. Yeah. And just the way that, birders refer like they describe the calls it's like pretty amazing this 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 typical species of owl hoots in kind of a who cooks who cooks for you pattern (laughs) and just like reading how they describe the owl calls was awesome (laughs) it's a lot scarier than when you're in the middle of a million square miles of ice in antarctica yeah so <laughs> anyway, so they had this their first experience basically of pressure and they keep calling it they call it pressure yeah. because you can hear the ice groaning, you can hear the ice cracking. And not only is are all these flows groaning and cracking against each other, but they're starting to push on the ship. Yeah. Right. Which could at any moment just squash the yeah. ship like a little like well, a little cucumber. They're pretty lucky for these first couple of gales because they're actually they're the way that they're frozen, they're in the middle of a big flow. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's kind of protecting them yeah. from the flows around it by its it because it's inter, integral to itself, yeah. right? So the strength of the ice is actually protecting their ship because they're frozen in the middle of this ice pancake, like because they were in that icy pudding when it froze. Mm-hmm. Like although their flow is experiencing a lot of pressure, it's not crushing the ship so much yet. Yet, yes. <laughs> So they have these series of gales. The first ones, uh, they start to come on the first of each month. So there's July 1st, August 1st, September 1st. And each one of these storms is worse than the one prior. It's nice that they're like pretty well spaced scheduled apart. though. Like you can, I know. seems like they're kind of predictable. They're like, yeah, they're you got to pay rent and your credit's going to get crushed all on <laughs> the same day. It's pretty fucked up. Um, again, remember also it's dark 24 hours a day at yeah. this point. They're in the middle of Antarctic winter, starting to go into Antarctic spring. But it's just like, it's like six degrees, 120 degree winds, ice everywhere. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty nightmare scenario. Anyway, right, they're mid-September, and they've just had the craziest experience with pressure, like, at the beginning of that month yeah. that they had before. And they're all starting to feel a little bit nervous, because they're like, <laughs> if this happens again, like, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to make it through. Like, the last one that happened... There was a crack actually went down the middle of their flow oh. on along their ship. Yeah. And so their flows started to push against the ship. Oh, yeah. And they like sent guys out and had them cutting at the ice like to try and alleviate the pressure or yeah. like let it break up more as it was hitting the ship. Yeah. 
at one point the flow on the I think the port side of the ship gets shoved underneath the ship oh. and the whole ship listed 30 degrees oh. over to the side like it's pretty uh, it's extreme it's quite a tilt it's a, it's a mad tilt so everybody fell and all the dogs in their cages all fell oh, to the man. other side <laughs> everything was all fucked up and it stayed that way for a couple of days until the pressure alleviated and they like boom all yeah. of a sudden sunk back down to their yes. regular spot so that was the last one that happened but they're kind of feeling optimistic they're feeling they're torn right they're feeling optimistic like okay if we could survive that we could survive anything Unless there's something worse. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of how I get through my life day to day. (laughs) Yeah. I can survive that. I can get through anything, right? So they're in, it's it's in September and they're kind of at the end of the month, they're starting to worry a little bit. They're like, okay, if there's another, you know, experience of pressure coming, it's probably going to come on the 1st of October. This is October 1915. Yeah. They left in October 1914. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's, this is kind of already amazing on its own. These 27 guys survived on this ship for a year yeah, in the middle of the Antarctic Ocean. I'm already. Also, yeah, I'm like, I'm going back to the guys on the other side of the continent waiting for them. Like, they're already like almost a year late. Yeah, so I think they left. I literally don't, I didn't, I don't even know what happened to those guys. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, also just like when they go out on their expedition, they're like, well, hopefully those other guys are there waiting for us on the way back or when yeah. we get there because otherwise they just live there now. Yeah. With no ship. The other guys are waiting there like, well, I guess they're not coming. So. Right. And so then they leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're like, see you later. <laughs> yeah. And I don't actually know like how they had that all planned. It must have been pretty specific. Like, wait here for us for two months if in case we're late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you got to give a pretty big window. You yeah. can't text them and be like, on my way. Yeah. The other thing I forgot to mention, in the Antarctic summer, there's seals and there's penguins everywhere. Yeah. So they're able to harvest a lot of meat. But as we get to Antarctic winter, all of that disappears. There's no animals down there yeah. <laughs> in the winter time. So all this dark period with all this wind and all these gales, they're not able to go out and harvest any food. They're yeah. just living out. But they're also living they in have. a fridge, so they Yeah, they don't have to worry about preservation yeah, so for any of that just... meat. Yeah. Anyway, September thirtieth, a gale comes through. Pretty that's a day soon. early. What the fuck? That's they all they said that. They're like <laughs> They're like starting to worry like October 1st is going to happen. But no, September 30th shows up a day early. The gale comes through. The crush begins, right? And this- The crush, huh? Yeah. It's the most extreme uh, pressure they've experienced so far. It's hard to describe this experience, but luckily they kept diaries. (laughs) But (laughs) like they couldn't sleep because basically what happened- there's one ice flow because their ice flow cracked in half, yeah. right? And now they're just kind of amid uh, that. That happened a couple months earlier. Now they're kind of amid a bunch of different flows as they kind of move around, but it's not. They can't get out, right? There's no openings big enough for the ship to go through. Like there are cracks between the flows that are like maybe a couple feet across and yeah. things like that. And a couple times prior to this, actually, they try to smash through. Like they went out and tried to cut channels in the ice, like using saws and using axes and using hatchets. And then they rammed like the ship into cracks in the ice. This is actually before they decided to winter on the ship. Yeah. Like when they were first getting stuck. Yeah. So they had done all this before, so they're not doing it at this point, but like they tried to ram through the ice and cut through the ice and just wasn't (laughs) possible. So at this point they're floating, their ship is kind of floating between these different flows and as this gale comes September 30th and this new like wave of pressure on the ice begins, one flow is pushing from the right side, right in the middle of the ship. And one flow is pushing from the left side, 
on the front of the ship and one's pushing from the left side on the back of the ship. So the ship is literally like being crushed yeah. in half. Yeah. And they there's it's and it's just immense pressure. Every day these guys are just like I have no fucking clue how this thing is holding. Like <laughs> thank you so thank you ship. Like this is the most amazing ship ever because you can hear these 2 foot beams are just bending yeah. and groaning and like screaming, right? Yeah. While they're trying to sleep, this one on the like right side of the ship is just grinding on the side of the ship like four feet from their heads while they're trying to sleep. They yeah. like can't sleep. <laughs> this is a nightmare scenario. Every day they're going out there trying to cut it and saw it and like alleviate some of the pressure. Yeah. How long does this go on? This goes on for a couple of weeks. 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 Fuck. Yeah. And then on October, I think it's October 17th, the flow that's on the back of their ship kind of pushes past the back of their ship and rips off a big section oh. of the engine and the rudder on the back. Oh, they need that. And water starts to leak in oh, to the ship, right? So all of a sudden, it's all hands on deck. Like, we got to do something about this, right? So water's coming in the back of the ship. Ice is crushing the ship from both sides. They can't plug it up, so they decide to build, like, basically a dam inside the ship to oh, keep, yeah. so the water can only get so far. Yeah, yeah. It's like block off a room or two. Yeah, so they have to block off these rooms. While guys are working the pumps to try and keep the water out while they're trying to build this dam. Or it takes damn. it takes forty eight hours straight to build this dam in the ship and the whole time guys are working the pumps and nobody is sleeping. Yeah. For like two days straight. And they finally get the dam finished, but water is still coming in. And they can't pump it out fast enough. They have their steam pumps going, they have their hand pumps going. But the ice is crushing the ship even more. There are more leaks coming out from different places. And after three days straight of labor trying to save the ship, on October 22nd, 1915, almost a year (laughs) after they left on this trip, Ernest Shackleton gives the order to abandon ship. After three days of fighting to keep the ship afloat. They're at war with ice. They're at war with a world of ice. (laughs) They decide to abandon ship. And that's where we'll pick up next week. Oh, shit. On part two. Shit's about to get cold, huh? Shit's about to get even colder. I mean, it's been really cold. Well, it's October, so they're like, it's starting to warm up though, right? Uh, It is starting to warm up, but it's still very cold. Well, I mean, warm up to like almost slightly below freezing. Um, Yeah. I mean, like warm up to like eight or nine degrees. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe 15. Slightly below freezing. Above zero. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, things are about to get colder. Things are about to get worse. Obviously, you don't want to be, I mean, number one, you don't really want to be stuck on a ship. In the middle of the Antarctic Ocean, but you also don't want to be stuck not on a ship. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one place worse than being on a ship. Yeah. That's, that's not on a ship. Just on the ice. And that's where <laughs> these guys are about to go. And this is Ernest Shackleton and 27 men and 69 docks. <laughs> Hell yeah. Are about, they abandoned ship. And, uh, you know, guys, tune in next week and we will... Uh, Explore the rest of their journey. It's not over yet. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. not even, they barely even got off the ship yet. So they just got started. off the ship. Yeah. <laughs> and how are they going to escape? Yeah. How are they going to get through this? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. But we'll find out. Yeah. Come I'm back ex- next week. I'm excited for it. Thank you. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm excited for it too. We're going to explore the story of these 28 beautiful animals. Should we open a fortune cookie? Yeah. Let's open a fortune cookie. See if it's any good. Nice. If you wish to know the mind of a man, listen to his words. You know, um, this app kind of sucks. This app is fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm going to hit next cookie because that was a ripoff. Okay. 
Aren't you glad you just had a great meal? Okay, yeah, I'm making the executive decision that this app sucks. Uh, yeah, should we hold a vote? <laughs> I'll see if there's a better fortune cookie I hate cookie that fortune cookie. <laughs> okay, let's open a third one. Fuck it. No, dude, it's going to no? suck. Right. Don't even give it any more clicks. Well, I got to open one more. Okay, fuck it, do it. <laughs> the beginning of wisdom is to desire it. Okay. By it, do they mean... Wisdom, I guess. You desire wisdom. Well, I was going to say some joke about dicks. Oh, sorry. It as in doing it? Yeah. <laughs> you took it way too seriously. <laughs> I yeah. guess you truly do desire it. I like the fortune cookie idea, but yeah, maybe I should switch to a different app because this one kind of sucks. Yeah, how many fortune cookie apps are there? <laughs> I'm sure there's dozens. <laughs> I just clicked the first one. This there one's are literally called, dozens of us. Yeah, this one's called uh, Wisdoms. Mm. Uh, it's not what it is. It's it not terrible, an accurate name. It's a terrible name. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Thanks a lot guys, for listening. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of Beautiful Animals Maybe Podcast. next episode we'll have a better fortune cookie app. We're going to continue the story of Ernest Shackleton. Ernest Shackleton. Good, yeah. good. And the endurance. It. The endurance. Which endured a year in the ice. It sure did. I mean. But that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. The ship didn't. Oh, we already knew that. <sighs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah. They just abandoned ship. All right. So, yeah, that was episode two. I think. Mm-hmm. I think soon we'll make an episode three. Yeah. And they coming at you next week. Yeah. Episode three where we will, uh, I think we'll be able to finish it next part. Uh, where you'll get to hear the fate of Ernest Shackleton and his crew of 27 men, the trans Antarctic expedition. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to hearing the story, how it resolves. What happens to those 69 dogs? Oh, I was going to tell you all about it. I know. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to. It's sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> I know. Anyway, hey, just uh, guys, go ahead and send us some feedback at yeah. beautifulanimalspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We love to hear what you think. We love to hear your stories and tales of your most beautiful animals in your life. Yeah. By that, I mean people. And by now, we should have an Instagram account, so maybe... Yeah, Go check look out for our that. Instagram. Check us out on OnlyFans. Check us out on <laughs> Twitch at One, GHT Vision. Oh, yeah, GHT Vision. We might even do something with that sometime. Uh, yeah, actually, we're going to do uh, here pretty soon, probably. There'll be a Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, that'll be fun, yeah. Uh, whiskey tasting. <laughs> whiskey tasting uh, and cigar sampling. Yeah. We're going to be, be great. Once we get that figured out, we're going to play through the story of Red Dead Redemption, which apparently is a good story. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'll be sitting in the passenger seat mm-hmm. drinking whiskey and possibly smoking some cigars yeah. inside we'll probably have some companion episodes of the podcast as well about western figures from western history jesse yeah. james and uh, that kind of stuff Not so hard, yeah it's gonna be a fun time thanks again for supporting us and <laughs> tune in next week tune in next week <laughs> catch you later thanks a lot juice it oh i forgot to say get hydrated i know juice it <laughs> juice those melons. man we really suck <laughs> bye guys thank you uh